Hello, and welcome to the Slow Style Home Podcast. If you don't want a cookie-cutter, generic home, and instead you want a beautiful, meaningful home that's layered with personality, then you are going to be so inspired by the conversations we have on this show. We talk about why the environments we create matter and how to set up our rooms to evoke specific feelings and experiences that are right for you wherever you are in your life right now. I'm Zandra, your host and creator of the Slow Style Home Framework that teaches you how to make really thoughtful and informed decisions about your home rather than chasing current trends that may not last or staying stuck with rooms you hate, feeling overwhelmed with too many choices. Right now, when you join our monthly membership, the Slow Style Society, you'll get a personalized deep dive into your vision of what a dream home looks and feels like. And together, we'll come up with a plan on how to achieve that. If that sounds pretty awesome to you, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society for all of the details. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later on. Right now, let's just jump into today's episode. Welcome to Little Yellow Couch. We're Karen June and Zandra, your hosts for the Style Matters podcast. You're listening to our fourth season of interviews with some of the best stylists, designers, artists, and all-around tastemakers in 2016. This podcast is for all of us who are obsessed with creating spaces in our lives that reflect what's most important to us. We call it fearless decorating, and we're delighted you're here. This week, we're talking with Lauren Leese, author of Habitat, The Field Guide to Decorating. In this interview, we go deep into one of the most difficult aspects of developing a personal style, what Lauren calls the intangible elements of design. We talk about the difference between aesthetic and style and how to apply those things to the architectural aspects of your home, along with taking into consideration its geographic and cultural locations. You can hear in our voices how excited we are to talk with Lauren, and we hope you love this interview, too. So, first of all, one of our favorite things about your book is the format, this idea of putting together a field guide to home decor. And we'd love if you'd fill everyone in a little bit on sort of the history of why you chose that format. Sure. Um, you know, when I was like a kid, I was I was really weird. Um, and I used to <laughs> love reading field guides with um, like pictures of plants. And I would go out and I'd look at kind of the pictures of the plants and try to find them like in the woods and in the yard and in fields. And I would find the things that I could find in the fields and look them up in the field guides. And I just, it was really fun for me. And then I would kind of like make little, I don't know, like remedies and teas and I would sell them. And so I was really into it. I, I think that's kind of, so cool. We, we, we love, we love, we are totally geeking out on this because we, we you know, really we can, you know, we, no, we can totally really, the idea of little notebooks and making diagrams and labeling them. And there's something about categorizing things that makes you feel like you, you yes. kind of own them in a deeper way. Yes. No, it's so true. It's so true. And, and so I, that's like how I kind of have always sort of categorized information and, um, I knew we were, I was, you know, I had to put a lot of info in one place and I knew the concept of the book was sort of 
know, really overarching and, and trying to sort of teach. So I thought the field guide format would work mm-hmm. really well for that. It's a great premise for the book. It's really, it's so much fun. I had a similar uh, affinity for field guides. And I actually, when I was in high school, I did a whole project on different trees in my area and what the fruit looked like and what the leaf looked like and all these different things at different times of the year. And so I can completely relate to geeking out <laughs> over that, that kind of thing. <laughs> I got, I got a big blue ribbon at the state fair. So. <laughs> Very excited. So, um, so, so I wanted uh, our listeners to, you know, if they haven't read your book yet to, to sort of understand that your book, it's also broken up into three segments, the fundamental elements of design, the intangible elements of design, and then a room-by-room guide. And um, one of the things to me that was so brilliant about your book was all, all of these elements are needed, I believe, in order to teach people the elements of design. But I feel like in so many design books, these intangible elements are completely overlooked. And Mm -hmm. that is the most elusive part to many people in terms of putting together a space or a home that really feels like them. Where do you recommend people start with these intangible elements and, and, you know, maybe sort of encourage us that we can learn those things? Sure. Well, you know, it's a lot so the, the intangible elements, I kind of broke them down, obviously, into sort of different sections. You know, you have, like, charm and luxury, and they're all broken down. But when you're really sort of doing it, it's, it's kind of a more of an unconscious process. I think part of it is trying to really get to know yourself and what you want and your personal style and what really is you, and then sort of marry that with what your house is. Um, and so it's not... You know, you you can't ignore the architecture and you can't ignore all the basics that I sort of went over in in part one of the tangible Mm -hmm. elements. So it's like you have to sort of take all of that tangible, you know, what you're working with and all of the basics of good design. And then you have to kind of mix that with what you are and what you want and how you want it to feel and what you want the vibe to be. I'm a huge fan of writing things down. So I think kind of writing a list of um, adjectives and words that describe your style or what you want your Mm. style to be is really helpful and then as you make every decision throughout the entire process if it's not so ingrained in your head yet just go back to that list and make sure all of your decisions are really coming back to that overall vision you had in the first place of what you wanted and what you are and that kind of thing yeah you have a worksheet in the back of your book um just for you know because people might not know this that that i found really helpful that asks you takes you through those questions and gets you to know even what you're supposed to be writing down Karen and I have found it hard to, to kind of explain what we mean by that sometimes. And I, I feel like yeah. it really does a good job of of explaining that. For example, Karen and I kind of shy away from labels, style categories, I guess, only because we don't want to be boxed in by just one. You don't want We don't want to only be Hollywood glamour or only exactly. be rustic farmhouse or whatever. You say in your book, when, when you figure out what is essentially you in every situation and then let those labels go, what you're left with is your aesthetic. Can you explain exactly. that a little bit more? So, and that's what it is. It's sort of, you know, I... And I would have, you know, my house, it would look different in 
you know, if I lived out in LA, you know, it would look different if I lived in the city in an apartment. So Mm. your style would kind of look different if you're doing it right, if you're doing Mm -hmm. it appropriately and kind of working with the architecture, it would sort of be manifested differently in different places and in different types Mm. of architecture. So the goal is to really kind of get rid of all those extraneous details like the architecture and all of the things that are sort of superficial, very important, but still superficial, and try to kind of strip all of those away and go to what could you, what do you need no matter where you are? What do you want to show no matter what type of space you're designing for or living Mm. in? And that's what's really you just kind of whittle it down and that's your aesthetic. And then you can have different styles, but that aesthetic kind of remains constant. It's really helpful the way you differentiate between style and aesthetic. Honestly, when I was writing it all down, it was really hard for me to sort of try to verbalize it because they're so, so closely related because style is an aesthetic manifested. So it's just, it's a very, it's just such a close line. And we really, and most of the time when we're in design and we're talking about it, even when I'm talking with my clients, because it's confusing, we kind of use them interchangeably, but they're, they are slightly different. Right. Right. Most summers, we go and uh, spend our time in our, our family house in Greece. When Karen says we, unfortunately, she does not mean me. <laughs> she means her family. So let's just clarify, I don't get to go to Greece. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> anyway, uh, so this summer, I'm I'm making plans to go uh, and stay in the house. And I inherited this house, a small house that my uh, great-grandfather built. And I've been slowly wow. renovating the bones of it. Now I sort of have the groundwork for going in and, and putting my touch on it and making it personal. And as I've been thinking about what I want to do and some items that I want to make and bring and items I want to buy when I'm there, the aesthetic... It seems so completely different from what I have in my house here. I was having some moments where I was thinking, do I have like some sort of like mental disorder where I have like <laughs> one personality there and one personality here? And I and I love what you're talking about, about the location of the place, the architecture of the place. I mean, there's so much changes. What, you know, how I live when I'm there, I'm on vacation. Um, yeah, you know, it's right. summertime. Uh, there's, you know, I'm barefoot in the house all the time. It's, it's very different than how I live in New England in the wintertime and <laughs> Yet I bet if I walked into Karen's house in Greece, I would know immediately it was Karen. Right. I'm sure. Right. I'm sure. You know, it probably yeah. feels so different to you, but everyone else would kind of recognize that, you know, that it was right. very right. you. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, so uh, kind of along these same lines, the other word, uh, you know, aesthetic, style, you really, really help us understand those at a much deeper level. The other word that I wanted to ask you about is the word authentic. That's one of your, um, it's not a whole, well, maybe it is a whole chapter, but it's in that section of the intangibles. And, um, you know, we, everybody uses that word to describe everything these days, you know, brands that are authentic, movies, food, whatever. Um, You use the word authentic as part of your blueprint for figuring out personal style. And we want to know, how do you apply the word authentic when you're working with a client? How does the client know? whether or not something is authentically them. So I think it's about, you know, to me, um, something being authentic is something real and something true. So something that kind of has truth in it. And so 
again, it's about sort of like zoning in on really what is um, important and true for that person. You know, maybe they live somewhere, so they're, um, you know, they've just moved to a new house and like, oh, this is my big girl house, and so I want to put all the formal stuff in it. <laughs> maybe that's not really them, you know what I mean? Right, right. And there's a tendency, to, you know, to do that a lot of times. And so I think it's about, um, you know, kind of being authentic to who they are. And, again, it's going through all of those questions and sort of simmering on it all and seeing what, what's, what's real, what's really them. And kind of, you know, again, you want, you want to pay attention to the architecture so maybe a, a home is formal, but you don't want to lose that person, you know, or it just, it just feels sort of like a, you're decorating for the house versus decorating mm. for the person and being true yeah. to that person. It ties into that idea that I think many times we do things just in general in our lives based on expectations, Um, Mm -hmm. either expectations we had at one point or expectations others have of us. Um, And so, you know, there can be that that thing where, well, you know, this is this is supposed to be a formal living area and, you know, and I'm supposed to have this type of furniture because it's formal or whatever. And um, and that may not work with your lifestyle um think about all the dining rooms that people have that they never even use because they thought they were supposed to have this formal dining room table and chairs and then they never even go in there because it's not really how they live or who they are exactly and it is about you know confidence building too because it does take a little bit of confidence to be able to say you know what like forget about the dining room i'm going to do a playroom or whatever you need you know playroom or whatever it is it takes a little bit of you know, confidence in yourself to be able to say, I don't care what the expectations are. Like, this is what I need. So, right. you know, it's part of that. Yeah. You, I love this part in your book where you talk about, it was one of your first apartments. You had roommates and <laughs> you, you designed every room like with a theme. And I love that because I did the it same was, thing. And I think that's horrible. part of the process, but, but it is part of the process figuring out what you, what you love. But um, it's just, it's just so great. I think that is kind of how we, we learn. We copy, we yeah. try to categorize by theme, and then we finally try to let it go and just just really choose what we love. One of the things that I love is you talk about charm in a home, um, and and I love that that this idea of charm can sort of overcome some of the areas in our homes that don't feel quite done yet. And so I was wondering if you could sort of share with us some of some inspirational ideas of what charm in a home means to you. Sure. Well, you know, I think um, you know, I talked a little bit about my mother-in-law having, you know, she does not feel done in her decorating, but mm-hmm. her home is always charming. I mean, you walk in, it smells good. There's something cooking. Um, there's candles lit, it, you know, fresh flowers at your bedside when you when you visit. Um, it's things like that. Like in our house, we love to have music playing. Um, I love to have the windows mm-hmm. open, you know, when the weather's nice so that a breeze comes in. So sort of those little things that kind of, surprise people that you kind of take in unconsciously but that just kind of make people feel welcome and make people feel good we'll be back after a quick break i assume you're here because you want a -a one-of-a-kind personality-filled home right well in order to have that you need to define and develop your signature style When you do that, you're going to understand how to mix what you already have with new things you find, focusing on who you are and what you love, 
putting it all together in a cohesive way. So what's stopping you? Well, let me know if this sounds about right. Not enough time, not enough money, and a lack of creativity or design knowledge, which makes you feel overwhelmed and insecure about pulling the trigger and changing things up. This is why I created the Slow Style Society, to help you take action on making your dream home a reality. It's part social club for people who like to just geek out on design and part hands-on learning experience where you get better and better at making decor decisions for each room in your home. And for the next few weeks, I'm offering all new members an additional one-on-one style session with yours truly. So I'll take you through the lessons so you know exactly what to focus on inside the Slow Style Framework in what order, and you'll have a personalized support system from me to get you there. Go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society so we can get started right away. Let's not wait for that imaginary perfect time to create your beautiful, meaningful home. Again, go to slowstylehome.com and click on Join the Society. Okay, back to the episode. Yeah, that going that I don't even want to say it's an extra mile because it really doesn't take that much effort. It's just the decision, I guess, to, you know, use real plates instead of paper when somebody drops Mm -hmm. by for, you know, a cup of coffee or whatever. It's, it's, uh, and I also think charm can be, and I think, I think you get to this in your book as well. It it kind of can cover up some of the stuff that's maybe not quite so (laughs) finished. We'll just call that charming because (laughs) that still needs to be painted or stripped or whatever. Right. It does. But it looks cared for. It looks like you care about the people that are visiting and, yes. and you, you care about how they feel when they come over. And I think people recognize that. Um, Absolutely. That you're thinking of them. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, and Sandra and I both live in 100 plus year old homes and which are typical of our area, but there are, there's also all kinds of new construction. Um, and you know, there are cracks in ceilings, there are cracks in walls, right. there's, you know, if if you put um, a matchbox car in one end of my dining room, it will roll to the other end. <laughs> and, you know, for us, we sort of embrace those things. I, you know, when I go into a newer space, I always think, well, we're, we're where are all the right. cracks? Like where, where is all right. that charm? And so, so, so some of that stuff can I think add to sort of that authenticity or whatever that that Absolutely. that makes something feel like it it has a history or it has a story behind it. Definitely. One more thing we want to talk about um, before we wrap up. This has been great, by the way. We this is so oh, wonderful. I want to talk about this idea of comfort because you, you bring that up in the book that, you know, everybody seems to want, and I, I'm sure with all of your clients, a lot of the book is about the clients you've worked with. Um, everyone says, I want to be comfortable. Well, of course, who doesn't want to be comfortable in their own home? Right. <laughs> but I mean, what, what, what do people mean by that? And, and I feel like sometimes what people mean is they, ju- it's almost like they don't want the burden of caring about certain mm-hmm. things like, um, you know, scuffing up the hardwood floors or, I don't know, getting fingerprints on the painted walls or dinging the furniture or whatever. And yet I feel like when we allow ourselves to really not care, then we, you know, we can end up with a really messy home or that feels cluttered or just that there's no, no attention 
put into it and then it doesn't feel good either. So how do you help clients who say they want to be comfortable also feel like they've got a home that feels stylish or, you know, to them represents their personal style? Right. You know, you've got to, it definitely is a mindset. You have to realize that if you're going to be, you know, completely type A and freak out over every little scrap, whatever in your home, it's, it's really hard to be happy mm-hmm. that way. So definitely number one, it's the mindset. You have to just say, you know, things are going to age, things are going to scratch. That's how it is. Everyone has a different level of what they kind of reconcile, right. you know, with that with. But then on the other hand, you have to kind of look at the exact things that make you comfortable because it's sort of different. A lot of the things are the same, but it is different for all of us. Um, you know, what feels good on your feet? Some people like scratchy size full. Other people need like, you know, nice soft mm. wool. So kind of thinking about, you know, like what feels good to you um, and how that, that could be different from what feels good to other people. Um, but also like not, you know, becoming relaxed in your mindset, but not sort of giving up the fight either and being like, oh, it's just going to be trash. <laughs> We're comfortable right. people. You know, you always have to kind of fight the good fight when, you know, when it, in the house. It's just how it is yeah um so sort of walking the line between the two and and i think you also pointed out some ideas in the book about sort of anticipating needs can can lead to comfort having you know an area set up in your kitchen with all of your coffee stuff ready for the morning or having you know a place for the remote controls that are is handy but isn't an eyesore those type of things you know those little details I guess they, they they sort of toe the line with charm and comfort, but um, yeah, I think those things really help um, when when you feel like your needs are anticipated in a space, even if you're the one that anticipated them. Exactly, <laughs> it feels more yeah, comfortable. That, that organization. I mean, the more organized you can get your house, the more comfortable you'll be in it. The more easy it is to function, the more comfortable you feel with that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So. You know, one one of the other aspects of uh, your idea of having a field guide to home decorating is that you put a lot of uh, natural elements into the spaces that you design. But I also wanted our listeners to know that you have a fabric line that is inspired by that. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your fabric line. Sure. Um, you know, when I was when I was a kid, I used to love, of course, in my field guide days, <laughs> picking things. <laughs> I couldn't exactly, like, pick from my, you know, the, the garden of my house. I couldn't just go and, like, you know, blurry the leaves and pull them all off. So I was really, um, I would pick wildflowers and wild mm. leaves and ferns and go through the woods and grab things that I could take. Um, so those have kind of always been my favorite types of plants you know, Queen Anne's lace and wild mm. chicory and fern and um, thistle and all those types of plants. So um, I would kind of want to do rooms and, and was thinking, oh, I'd love to do something with this in it. But they're not necessarily the, the plants, the weeds. You don't necessarily see a lot of fabrics with those in them. Mm, right. um, and so that was just kind of what I'm passionate about. And um, so I just love to incorporate them into my textiles and kind of bring them into the house and sort of bring the outside in as much as possible. Right. And they have almost an abstract feel because they are, they're not, they're not perfectly cultivated floral, which exactly. is, which is pretty, it's pretty cool. Actually, can you tell us a little bit, uh, just if, if you'd give us a couple more minutes, but we, I, I sure. love the story of how you ended up um, in your current house. 
<laughs> so the one I'm in right now, when you say current, I've actually moved since since the book house. Oh my gosh, because that is that that part of the book is so funny. So it is crazy. Literally, <laughs> like a couple months after the book went to print, we moved. So I I miss that house terribly. I I can't even. I love that house so much. So that well, house, well, well, tell tell yeah, tell us found. how you got in. Yeah, please. Um, we were we were on our way home um, from like a beach trip, a summer beach trip, and we just love to kind of like look at real estate listings. We always do that. Um, we were looking in a different town that we wanted to move in, and for some reason, this one popped up, um, not in the town we were even looking in. I don't even know how it got in there. I guess the quarry was funny or something. Um, and then we were <laughs> like, oh, my be. gosh, if you can afford this house, like, it's in the town. And then we realized it wasn't in the town we wanted. Um, mm-hmm. We were like, whoa, we don't know much about Oakton. Like, what's in Oakton? <laughs> so um, we went to, you know, we just kind of looked at the floor plan and the pictures, and um, went to the open house the next day. And as soon as I drove up, I was like, get out of my house. Like when I saw the people, <laughs> and like, I knew I was like, this is our place. And, get out of my house. I love that. <laughs> yeah. We like left it. And we, I, I, I mean, I sat on the floor. It was odd, but I sat on the floor for like three hours in a room kind of trying to figure out the floor plan was really weird. So I didn't feel like we could make an offer on it until we until I mm. figured out how to sort of write the floor plan. And if I couldn't mm. figure that out, you know, it just wouldn't be livable. So sat there and figured out the floor plan and um, we made an offer and got it and then just completely kind of gutted it and renovated it. Um, and well, then, let's just, let's just say, and re- let's just let people know that you had just renovated your other, your current, the current house you were yeah. living in. And so you looked at your I'm husband like, and were like, clearly like this, this crazy serial, serial <laughs> renovator here. <laughs> and, we and we did leave that house due to sort of more personal things. Um, with like the school we thought we were going to send our kids to ended up moving, and so like oh. we found that out a few months after we bought it. <gasps> oh my and gosh! We found, and then we we found out it was a possibility, and then for a couple of years, and then as soon as we found out it was a definite, we put it on the market like a couple months later. Right. It was really it was really hard. It was a hard decision to make. Because that house had my heart, but I had oh. to look at kids and family, yep, and yep. so yeah. Absolutely. So now we're in a totally different house. <laughs> That's even that better. Weird. I mean, the story just gets better. We'll, we'll call you in a few months and find out if you're in this one. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we better be. <laughs> we, we better be. This one, this one doesn't feel like a forever home, but it'll probably be a really long time right. just because it's where we need to be geographically well, so. unless you find another house in the same geographic area then maybe you'll move again <laughs> someone yes, needs to take that realtor oh. app off her phone <laughs> oh yeah if i could have found like that type of house where i am now i would have mm. i could have moved that house here i would have a heartbeat thank you so much it's been great well, talking you with you i yeah. really appreciate your asking me absolutely great our pleasure Thanks so much for listening. If you've liked what you've heard, we'd really appreciate if you take a moment to rate us on iTunes. And if you'd like more fearless decorating ideas from Little Yellow Couch, sign up for our newsletter at littleyellowcouch.com and you'll receive our free e-magazine called Five Ways to Decorate with Books. Connection, style, substance. That's Little Yellow Couch. Thank you.
thanks so much for listening. I know your time is valuable and I really do appreciate you spending it with me. And please, please, please take a minute to leave a review for Slow Style Home wherever you get your podcasts. It honestly does help keep this show on the air and your feedback is highly valuable to me. Have a great day and I'll be back in your earbuds soon. Bye for now.